We are starting a new series this morning called Back to Normal with a question mark because we're asking ourselves the question, what is normal and do we want to go back to it? And uh, so we're talking about seven things that we learned from COVID and um, I put out on social media and I've gotten some responses back. Uh, I have seven things that I'm going to be preaching on, but if you can come up, well, I have Three, now four that are non-negotiable. I'm preaching on those. It doesn't matter what you come up with. I'm preaching on those. But I have three others. And uh, if you come up with something better than my three, I will preach yours, okay? Um, but I need time to prepare sermons. They don't just happen. So uh, the sooner the better. But I've gotten some already, uh, uh, many of them through email, some on social media. I've gotten some on social media that are completely useless. Um, but that's okay. Uh, we we want to make sure we hear from, well, we want to hear from everybody, okay? And so, uh, so that's what we're doing. This morning is going to be an introduction to the seven. So this isn't one of the seven, it's an introduction. Because what I want to do is I want to start out and kind of get us all on where we're um, on the same page before we jump into the seven things that I think we can learn from COVID. And here's the same page I want to be on. There are people now that you dislike more than you did a year ago. There are people now that you dislike more than you did a year ago. There are people now that outrage you more than they did a year ago. There are people now that frighten you more than they did a year ago. And that's what I want to address this morning. If at the end of a pandemic, there are groups of people based on their political views, based on their gender, based, based on their socioeconomic status, based on the color of their skin, based on their culture that you dislike or try to avoid more now than you did a year ago, then something we've done over the last year failed us. The position that we're in now, if we're more fearful of other certain groups of people, if we have less tolerance for other certain groups of people, if we're outraged more by other certain groups of people, then something has happened over the last year that has not worked for us. And if you call yourself Christian, something in your faith has failed you. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And it's going to be a tough one, okay? For you, not for me. I already know what I'm going to say, right? Uh, we're going to go over a story in the Bible, very famous story. I, I actually preached on this story just two years ago. Uh, with a completely different outlook. Um, you can do that in the Bible. The Bible doesn't necessarily have to have one point in every story that it tells. That's the great thing about the Word of God. It's living and active, right? And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And unfortunately, sometimes it's piercing as far of, as the division of soul and spirit of both joint and marrow. Sometimes it just gets right in there. I was talking to somebody this morning who had their second COVID shot and it got into their arm and their arm hurt all day. Sometimes the word of God is like that. Amen. <laughs> 
It gets in there and you're like, ow, ow. This morning, there's some owies in there. Uh, there's some owies. And uh, as you guys know, for those of you who've known me for a very long time and you've heard me preach many, many times, you know that when I say you, I mean me. When I say us, I mean me. When I say me, I mean me. I don't mean you, okay? And so when I, in this whole thing, I have had to simmer in this for a week and ask myself the same questions that I'm going to be asking you this morning. Whether you're here in person or you're online or you're in the patio, I'm going to be asking these questions. We're looking at a certain book, a certain story in the Bible, and I'm going to show the very first verse. And if you're a Bible scholar, this is a little, this is a, a, a trivia, Bible trivia. So for those of you who have been a Christian for a long time, or maybe you're new to the Bible and you're like, ooh, I want to guess what story this is. If you can guess it from this first verse, you are a Bible scholar. Here we go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. You guys got it already? Wow, this church is so far beyond most churches. I'm telling you, I'm so glad I'm not a pastor of one of those churches. To the, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Few things, just so uh, you understand the story of Jonah, the book of Jonah, whatever you want to call it. Jonah is completely turned upside down. All the people who should be bad are good, and all the people who should be good are bad. Right? And so when we get into the, this story of Jonah, there's a bunch of things right out the gate that we see that are odd in the Bible. This prophet is not being sent to his own people. Prophets were always sent to their own people. They were always sent to Israel. And what they were supposed to do was go to Israel, tell Israel that what they were doing was sinning. They would confess and they'd make Israel great again. That was the whole point of it. You go to your own people, you tell them they're sinning, you tell them to stop following other gods. God's getting very, very upset. The people hopefully would repent and then they'd come back to God and God would bless Israel and Israel would flourish. That is the narrative of prophets. Sometimes they'd go to kings. Sometimes they'd sit on the street corner. Sometimes they'd do wacky things like lie on their side for a long time and then lie on their other side for a long time. It was just, but it was always to their own people. What God is asking Jonah to do is to go to the other side to go to other, to go to the people who are totally, utterly against Israel, the Assyrians. This is between 700 and 900 BC when the Assyrians were in power and they were nasty, nasty, nasty people. And he says, I want you to go to their capital and I want you to preach against them. Now that sounds pretty cool if you were a prophet, right? So imagine this. Let's say you're a Republican, right? And uh, God comes to you and says, I would like you to start a blog. I want you to start a blog and I want you to go after the Democrats. You'd be kind of excited, right? Maybe, I don't know. Okay, okay, let me switch it. Let's say you're a Democrat and you say, God says, go start a blog. I want you to just go after those Republicans. You'd be like, well, hey, God told me to, so I'm just gonna do it. And all the things you love to say about other, you get to say. 
So you'd think Jonah gets to go to Nineveh, the other side, the other outlook, and gets to just rip them and gets to do it because God told him to. You're off the hook. So what does Jonah do? But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. You can read it either way, Tarshish, Tarshish, whatever. Who did Jonah run away from? The Lord. Not Nineveh. He ran away from the Lord. When he refused to do what God asked him to do, he ran away from the Lord. He didn't run away from the Ninevites. Okay? And so he goes the opposite direction. So here's what would happen. Let's say, let's say God told me to go to Salt Lake City. Okay, that's about how far Nineveh was. So I, and, and I had to walk to Salt Lake City. Uh, and instead of Salt Lake City, I go to San Pedro and I get on a boat to go to Hawaii. Okay, the, the exact opposite. So not only does Jonah refuse to go and address those who are other, he goes in the opposite direction. He doesn't just sit there and go, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. He does the opposite thing. So he gets on this boat. Then the Lord set a great wind and on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. It's really cool, this Hebrew language of the ship threatened. It literally means that the ship said, I'm going to break up. <laughs> like like it's, it, 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 it puts this, it takes an inanimate object and it says, it can't handle what was going on. It's just, I don't know, I geek out sometimes over language. Anyway, that's what it said. So they say to him, uh, uh, they say to him, um, okay, they find out that it's Jonah. Because they realize these sailors, these pagan sailors, the exact opposite of Israelites, pagan they worshiped pagan gods. These were other. These were bad. They were the bad people. They were the people on the other side. They even realized, man, something's going on with this whole thing. Like there's some force of nature that's going on that isn't right. They think it's something from God. And so they find Jonah. And they ask Jonah some interesting questions. We're not going to get into it right now. But read your Bible. It's only like three chapters long. Uh, so... Um, they say, like, uh, uh, who are you? What are you doing here? What's your occupation? Like, oh, I'm a storm creator. I, I don't know what they were supposed to say. But he, he, this is what he says. Uh, this is what he says. Oh, man, this is a tough one, you guys. This is a tough one. Here's what he says. I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. Really? You are? You fear the Lord? What are you doing in the bottom of a boat? The Bible says he was asleep. <laughs> so he's like me. Whenever I have chores I need to do, for some reason I get really tired and I take a nap. I don't know why. I get stressed out and then I want to take a nap. That's what he was like. But he goes into the spiritual language. He hides behind all this spiritual language. He was disobeying God. God told him specifically to do something and he didn't do it. And now all of a sudden he's a bold Hebrew. He's a bold Christian. I fear the Lord. But 
I won't go to other and introduce them to my heavenly father. I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. And then he does this cowardice thing where he says, you know, instead of just saying, look, I'll jump over and kill myself. He makes them throw him overboard. He makes them part of this weird thing where he like, like he could have jumped. (laughs) But he says, throw me overboard. And these pagan sailors, they wouldn't even, if they were at the temple, if they went to the temple, they would only be allowed in a certain section, right? They were other. They worshiped other gods. When Israel worshiped other gods, God was very upset. And so they, these guys go, nah, man, we can't do that. We can't do that. And he's like, no, you got to throw me overboard. Then you'll be saved. So they cried out to the Lord. Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And these pagan sailors turn out to be the good guys when Jonah won't do what God asked them to do. Maybe, just maybe, the other side isn't that far away from God as you would think they are. You say, but John, I'm informed. I read the newspaper. I read blogs. I listen to podcasts. I know, I know the other side. And they're not close to God. Whew. Wow. That's tough. That's a tough place to be. Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. So you know what they end up doing? So they throw him overboard. Okay, they do what he asks. And, and then they start worshiping the, the Lord and they, and, they make, and they have a sacrifice for God. These pagan sailors who weren't that far away from God. As you would think. It just appeared that way. But we don't know how close someone is or how close someone isn't. Oh, yes, I do. I do know. I've seen it. I, I saw it on the news the other day. Do you? Okay. So Jonah gets thrown overboard and God uh, has a, a fish, a big fish, swallow him up. Okay. Uh, just so you know, the Bible doesn't say it's a whale. Okay. So if you're on Jeopardy, uh, don't say, what is a whale? No. What is a big fish? Okay. So I, I'm making you money here. Okay. That's my job. All right. <laughs> So, um, so it's really cool, too, the way the Bible does it, um, uh, at least in the NIV, which is what I'm reading from here. It says, he appointed a large fish. So I don't know. I, again, sometimes I think too much when I read the Bible, uh, but I just picture him up there going, okay, let's see. Oh, you're Joseph, big fish Joseph. Get over there. I want you to go swallow him up. And he's like, oh, man, I got to go swallow a human. Okay. Because that's how, that's how they swim. Okay. Another game show you can win. What does a big fish look like? Looks like this. My pastor told me. So he appoints this big fish. The big fish goes, swallows up Jonah, and he's in, he's in the big fish. Now, when I was growing up, because my parents uh, had me go to church, the picture was always a whale, 
And Jonah was always on the tongue with a candle. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Like, in all, my, all the storybooks and everything, there was a big whale, giant whale. Jonah's inside, and it's like a cave, and he's sitting on the tongue with a candle. And I was never, as a kid, like, smart enough to go, how did he get a candle? Like, did he have waterproof matches? I didn't do any of that. I was just like, oh, it was a, it was a big whale. So, so this is what happens. Now, watch what happens. In his distress, because we have had a complete year of distress. I don't know about you, but for me and for those around me, no matter where you are on any spectrum you want to talk about, it has been stressful. It has been stressful. And Jonah, we are not going to go through his long prayer, but do you know that in the entire prayer of Jonah, he never repents? He never says, I'm sorry. He never says, you know what, God, you specifically told me to go to Nineveh, and I was on my way to Tarshish, and now I'm in a, in a whale. Most likely, again, I don't know because I wasn't there, he was in a whale, like in a big fish, like curled up, like it wasn't fun. It wasn't like he didn't have a candle, and it wasn't on a tongue, okay? He was in there. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From, the, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. In other words, his heart is beginning to change of like, you know, I got to get back to God. But he never really repents when you read the entire prayer. So you would think that God would be like, no, I'm not going to forgive you until I see you, you know. But he's trying his best. And he says, I've been banished from your sight. I will look again towards your holy temple. But with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you up. And now here he goes, what I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Listen. I don't care who your other is. I really don't. I, I don't. I don't care. But salvation comes from the Lord. Not from being right. It never has. It's never from being on the right side of something. That's not where salvation comes from. And as we go into our seven things that we learned from COVID, it is not going to be, was my side right the entire time? Your side isn't where salvation comes from. Salvation comes from the Lord. And people are a lot closer to the Lord than you would imagine, regardless of what side they're on. So God has um, the fish vomit Jonah onto dry land. Okay, so there he is. He gets out. He's like, whew, you know. He probably smells, I don't know, like fish, right? Or plankton or whatever it is the fish eats or however it works. But that, there he is. He's just in the midst of having been in a fish. Oh, by the way, just so everybody knows, and if you're watching online, I take this story as real. So it's not like just a story to me. I actually believe that this happened. Okay. Salvation comes from the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Bro. You got to go to these people. You can't run from them. 
You can't say they're not worth it. You can't say, I'm going to leave them to be their own thing. I don't trust them. I don't like them. Are they evil? Absolutely, they're evil. A second time, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Now, he doesn't know what the message is other than God's upset with Nineveh. As a matter of fact, it says uh, the, the way that God says he's upset with Nineveh, there's only two other ways, the times that he says this. Uh, one was just before the flood, okay, which turned out bad for most people, okay, and the other was the golden calf when Moses came down, which turned out bad for other people. Just when he says their sins have come up, their wickedness has come up before me, those are the only two times. So you'd think it would be bad, right? You'd think, kind of, I would, that Jonah would be like, sweet, I get to go to the other side and tell him that God's going to destroy him? Where do I sign up? So he says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Now this is very funny. You wouldn't know this if you were just reading Jonah, but um, the city of Nineveh was to walk across it, to like, like, to to do the whole city of Nineveh was a three-day journey. If you wanted to, like, preach to Nineveh, get your word out. If you were advertising for something you had in Nineveh, it would be three days to get that accomplished. Jonah goes in one day. So he's like, puts, you know, okay, I went to Nineveh, all right? And here's what he says. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Thank you very much. In Hebrew, this is five words, okay? Like, you are going to die. See you later. Done, right? That's what happens. So technically, he obeyed God. Technically, he went to other. Technically, he was able to do what God had asked him to do. Technically. You think that is the heart of God? No. See, well, let me go on. Sorry. So, here's the worst thing that could ever happen in the book of Jonah is the very next verse. The Ninevites believed God. Okay, I do not have time to tell you about the Assyrians. <laughs> but let me just tell you this. Whoever you can't stand more now than you did a year ago, I promise they weren't as bad as the Assyrians. They're not as bad as the Assyrians, okay? You say, but oh man, but you should. I saw a YouTube video. Oh, they're as bad as the Assyrians. They are not as bad as the Assyrians, I promise. Doesn't matter where you get your news. They are not as bad as the Assyrians. And the Assyrians from a five word sermon preached one day into their great city they're like they believed God you do not know how close other is to coming into a relationship with God you have no idea and further if the information you get is a constant refrain of how far away from God they are, you need to get another source of information. 
Salvation comes from the Lord. Not from our news sources. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed. So not only did they just believe, they're into it. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Now we don't do that, but sackcloth is just a way of lowering yourself to be in a state of repentance. To be in a state of self-reflection. Of what, where am I going? What am I doing? Where's God? Where am I in my position to God? And they send out this decree all over and in. I mean, this is a five. You guys would probably be stoked if I did a five-word sermon. I was out. You guys are at Applebee's already and you're just ready to go. That would be nice. And they say this, but let the people, listen, and the animals. <laughs> the, the Ninevites were so ready their, their system was not working for them so much that when they hear a five-word sermon, they're like, you know what? We're, we're, we're done. We gotta, get, we gotta get to God. And their animals needed to repent. Let everyone urgently, call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Now, I couldn't find um, any pictures online of cows or anything in sackcloth uh, to kind of show you what it means. But I did find one uh, animal that was where that was repenting. Um, this is my dog Atticus, and um, he. I'm not going to tell you what he did with why he needed to repent, um, but this is him in sackcloth, um, repenting for for what he did. His mom is in Portland right now visiting their, her family, and so he's very uh, upset. And so he, who knows how he he doesn't behave well when she's gone. Okay, but, okay, I'm just joking. Okay, so next verse. Listen, listen. Who knows, they say. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not uh, perish. So these people, this other, the people who are, op I mean, opposite of Jonah, opposite not only did they believe opposite they were bad people they were they they fulfilled every narrative Jonah had for them every article Je Jonah read on the Assyrians it was true every terrible thing that he heard from whatever way he got his information it was true but salvation comes from the Lord not from being right and so this is where their heart was. And they're like, maybe. And then, then Jonah 3.10, this is terrible. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God even saved their animals. Except for the cats. They didn't make it. Cats don't repent. I don't know why, but they don't. Okay. So for all you cat lovers, because I always get something when I mention cats, I just, I was up with my daughter on Monday, they have a cat, and there it is, and you can see I'm not as evil as uh, against cats, although two seconds after this picture took, the cat like put its ears back and went like this to me and then ran off. So I don't know that the cats were safe, but I sent out an olive branch. 
When God saw what they did and how they turned from the evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Now, 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 listen. This is really important because this gets down to the heart of you and I. What happens when your enemies are blessed by God, aren't punished by God? What happens? What happens inside? There are people you don't like a lot more now than you did a year ago. There are people that outrage you a lot more now than a year ago. There are people you're frightened of a lot more now than a year ago. And I'll bet if you're like me, you have the same response as Jonah. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. It seemed very wrong. Jonah was heavily invested in hating other. Heavily invested. Jonah was heavily invested in his echo chamber, in his microcosm, in his kind of circle of influence, heavily invested. And when God didn't destroy the Ninevites, it seemed very wrong to him. And he became angry. <laughs> this is what he says. This is so awesome. He prayed, isn't this what I said, Lord? See, as it turns out, Jonah didn't go uh, run from the Ninevites because he was scared of the Assyrians. He didn't, he didn't run from them because he was scared. Oh man, I have a lot of stories. No, he, did, he was scared that God was actually going to do what God does. Salvation comes from the Lord. I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Listen to what he says. I knew, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. We love this God when he's on our side. When we can sing worship songs and we go before him and we tell him about our sin. We tell him about all the things that we've done during the week. We tell him about how our thought patterns are and how we, the way we think about stuff and the stuff that we've looked at on the internet and the stuff that we've done and how we've kind of fudged things. And we love this gracious God. We love a God that's full of compassion and slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents. But what about when it's other? What about when it's those people who you feel angry, more angry towards now than you did a year ago? Regardless of what side they're on. Maybe they have a MAGA hat on. Maybe they have a BLM, a BLM hat on. Whatever. Whatever it is. It's the same God that you worship. Here's what he says. Now God, take away my life. For it's better for me to die than to live. This dude is vested in his narrative. Vested. The Lord says, is it right for you to be angry? What do you have vested in this? Really? What do you have vested? Some time reading the scriptures? Some time on the news? Some time doing what? Is that, that, that's it? You got that? Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah goes down. He sits down in the place east of the city. And there he makes himself a shelter. Okay? Sat in the shade and he waited to see what would happen to the city. 
He's online. He's checking out articles. He's looking at videos. He's got the blogs. He's got his podcast going. It's like, man, I hate Nineveh. I just want, has Nineveh, uh, Google this, has Nineveh burned to the ground yet? Uh, Google Nineveh. Um, catastrophe. Uh, let's see. He's sitting there. He's just waiting for God to do what God does. And God doesn't do what he expects. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah and gave shade for his head. Jonah found an article that's nasty against the Ninevites. And it was, it was a satire article and it was funny. And yeah, finally someone gets to see the Ninevites as I see them. And he's all happy and he's got his shade and he's got this. That's why they call it throwing shade. That was a bad joke, but there we go. And so, um, and so he's ready. Oh, now he's happy. There's little shade trees over him. Now he got all the information he needed. And now it, it just feeds this narrative that he has. And he's comfortable in his narrative. God provides this shade. Jonah was very happy about the plant. About a plant. Nineveh's about to be destroyed or not. And he loves his little plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. He read another article or saw a meme that didn't quite fit for him. Or somebody on TV made some jokes about his particular thing, which chewed the plant so it withered. And the sun rose. God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Jonah, bro, stop with the death thing, man. Like, stop this. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant about something you have no control over you you think that's a good use of your time that's a good thing you can be upset about that first you have a plant you're happy now you don't have a plant now you what what kind of way is that to live that's no way to live and yet a year after the pandemic started i feel like this is where we are this is going good, this is not going good, this is going good, this is not going good. Oh, I don't know what to do. Should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? All this stuff. All that's important. Do it. Do whatever you need to do. He says, it is right for me to be angry about that plant. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. <sighs> okay. And so the Lord put Jonah to death because of his incessant whining and carrying on. And all the land rejoiced as Jonah's body was carried around the desert by wolves. Just before he died, he realized he was stupid, but it was too late. If I were writing the Bible, and if I were God, that's how I would have ended it. You want to die? Fine. Enough. You know, the last words of Jonah in this whole story, it's called the book of Jonah. His last words, I want to die. We don't hear from Jonah again. I don't think God killed him, okay? I made this up. For those of you who are new to the Bible, this isn't in the Bible. Erase, erase. Here's what's in the Bible. Jonah 4.10. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. You have been concerned about your position. You have been concerned about these things, and they seem very, very important, and some of them are very, very important. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, 
It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. In other words, we'll get into this next week. You have absolutely no control and it's frightening, isn't it? We're going to talk about that next week as Junior comes back up. Here's how the book of Jonah ends. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people? Listen to how he identifies them. This will totally rock your world and change your narrative as we sit at home and we try to keep amassing information so that we can be right. Who cannot tell their right hand from their left. When Jesus was on the cross, he says, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. That is humanity, church. Whatever side you're on. I know we live in an information age and we're getting information and we feel like we've got, we're on the right side. But there's a good chance that in a lot of ways we're not. And salvation comes from the Lord and those who are other are a lot closer to him than you think they are. And then he says this, and also many animals. This is so cool. For those of you who aren't into like creation care or taking care of like God's creation, God even knows that there's animals there. So, what do we do? Well, um, we go through the rest of the series, seven things. We're going to be touching on all these different things. What does it mean to get us back to a place where we're not normal, but where if there was another pandemic... And in the next hundred years, if you're alive and we go through another one, I want you to be able to handle the next one better than we handled this one. I want us to be able to handle unrest or things that are happening that go different than what we would hope. Who gets elected? Who's in charge? What the laws are? That we can focus it all down. Who's Jesus? How is he changing my life? How do I relate to other regardless of what they believe? We're going to end with one more song. And uh, I realize that some of what I had to say uh, was difficult. And um, I realized that I was talking in lots of generalities. I was trying to include as many of you as possible. <laughs> so if you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, probably heard the same sermon but in different ways but my prayer is that you go before your heavenly father this week and you say who is it lord who's other who do i need to view differently now that maybe they don't know their right hand from their left god god maybe it's this prayer god do i know my right hand from my left am i like on completely missing it do i think i know but i really don't know Is there a certain person, a certain group of people, a certain information stream that every time you're in that stream swimming around, you're anxious and fearful and angry? Get rid of it. 
hopefully over the next seven weeks, we'll get some things in our lives, some practices in our lives and some things that we can get and we can move on. So that when God says, I want you to go to that great city of Nineveh, you turn and you run to that great city of Nineveh. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we're so glad that you are God full of grace and mercy. You're compassionate. The God who will relent at calamity. Because you see the people, you see the number of people who don't know their right from their left. You want them to turn and to follow you, to stop following other gods that just come up empty. Start build, Stop building wells that hold no water. Stop trying to get meaning and purpose out of life from things that don't work. Stop thinking that our circumstances create our identity. Our identity is found in you. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you can, why don't you go ahead and stand for the blessing. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his joy and his peace, in his strength and in his boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week and we will see you next Sunday.